If everybody could uh, find a seat, we're going to start back here. It's good to, uh, to see people actually praying. That's a good thing. Put into practice what we've been talking about. Amen. Uh, while you're finding your seat, uh, many of you remember uh, Rietta McPherson that was here in October. Remember her? Yeah, we, uh, we got to speak at, their, uh, at her spirit school as well while we were over there in Cape Town. So that was uh, neat to kind of reconnect with her. Got to meet her whole family, her two boys, Aldo and, her, and then her husband. So that was a good, good time. All right, well, what we're going to do is we're going to give you um, a little preview here of uh, South Africa from a few people's perspective, and then we're going to come back into this. And I, I really think the last part of Chapter 1 is, uh, is just so, so powerful. I, I can't wait to really uh, share it with you. So, um, Tammy, why don't you come? You've, got, you've asked some people to, uh, to share a little bit, so let's uh, get started with that, okay? energy is my husband I'm dragging a little but that's because I'm not drinking any caffeine purposely because about midnight he's gonna go are you awake are you awake baby awake and I'm gonna snore and say no um, South Africa was amazing um, I want to you guys to hear actually the next few Sundays we're gonna have a few people share um, just so you can uh, feel a little of our heart and what God did he pretty much wrecked me um, I was sharing with our mentor girls tonight that you know how you have things on your calendar, and sometimes when you're in ministry, you just minister all the time, so there's things on your calendar, and I had South Africa on my calendar, so we could take people on a mission trip. Um, I didn't expect God to do what he did to me, so um, it was, it was life-changing and life-altering for me, and Phil made mention just a few minutes ago that we had the opportunity to be with um, Rietta and her husband, Tinas, and it was an amazing experience. I'm just going to tell you one quick story, and then I'm going to have Denise and a few people come share. But um, we were able to share with her in her school of ministry. And on Saturday, we met on Aldo and um, his wife. And it was really interesting that morning, he had come up the steps to their room. They, he and his wife live in a flat um, in the same home, but downstairs. And he came up, and, and he, he's very slow of speech. Um, but you can, I, I hoped that I could meet him. Many of you know the story that I really felt when I met her via seeing the video that we were going to have a connection with them. And just to tell you, the connection's only growing larger. Um, but I really wanted to be able to meet him because I wanted to look in his eyes. There was just something in my spirit I wanted to look in his eyes. And, you know, he meets with wisdom all day. Wisdom is Holy Spirit, and Holy Spirit just speaks to him. And um, a couple cool stories. One, many of us um, heard the story about... Uh, the young lady that came and said, I'm supposed to marry um, Aldo. And um, we were able to meet, meet Chantel. She's beautiful. But it was really interesting because before they got married, well, before they became engaged or anything, um, Aldo looked into her eyes and said um, to her, you know, I can't marry you until you get some things right, which seems very odd. And in spirit told him that she had had some abuse in her life from her childhood which she had never told anyone. And he said, you need healing. And the second thing was um, that she actually had an eating disorder and that she had never talked to anyone about that and that uh, wisdom wants to help you with those things. 
So it's interesting when you really are um, living with someone that gets the download from Holy Spirit on a regular basis, you know, oh my, trying to live with the Holy Spirit like that. So anyway, he came, we met with him, he hugged us, he looked, he wanted to hug Phil, I wanted to hug us and looked into our eyes. And that morning he came and he said that, um, he told his mother, he said, we need to sow into their ministry and so into their church. So they really believe that God has some big things for our church, and I believe in the days to come we're going to work with them with our prayer app and some things we're doing. But it was a great experience, and, and we're actually talking to um, some people in South Africa about possibly even having an influenced church there. So we'll see what God's doing there. But I'm going to ask a couple of people to come. Denise, I'm going to ask you to come first because you look the best because you just got a haircut. Um, we're, we, we, we saw her at our debrief meeting, and then we had an hour that we got to go and kind of do some things and come back. When we came back, Denise had a new haircut. Um, so um, here, take this mic and just come tell everybody what God did. Well, I don't know if you can tell him because he did so much. Oh, my gosh. It's, it's so hard to, um, to begin. The funny thing is, is that when Phil first announced that we were going to South Africa, I was like, oh, I, I want to go. I just want to go to South Africa. I had no feeling of God saying go. It was all like, I felt like it was me. Um, but you know how sh Phil shared about when we were, I was in that group with him of the 50 where we were, there was all these kids and they're like, okay, take your group of 50. The, the interesting thing was um, I really did pray and fast once we started our church fast about, okay, Lord, you know, even though I don't feel like you've called me and I really probably won't do anything, but please, you know, work on my heart. Let me be, let me just be open your spirit to whatever you're going to do. And um, so I had this group of 50, and I'm like, okay, I really don't know what to do, but I'm just, Lord, you just guide. And, um, you know, we prayed as a big group, and then one by one, 30 of them stayed because they wanted individual counseling. And um, the interesting thing was that um, the first three kids that came up to me, they had all lost their moms. And one thing that I don't always share with people is that my mom died when I was 11 years old. And so I could just instantly relate and connect and love. And, um, and then the, the strange thing is just all these scriptures started pouring out of me. And I honestly, I can't even tell you right now what scriptures they were. But it was just, you know, scriptures of hope and comfort and that God will be there. And, you know, honestly, I can't even remember what they were. But... Um, that was a long three hours of, of uh, just loving on them, and um, I, the, the whole week, <laughs> uh, I, I have to say that God changed me, and I definitely feel like that I was called to be on that trip, and that um, he, he freed me from some things, so it was a personal experience too, but um, I don't know, I, I, I just have to say it was uh, amazing. Marion, why don't you come up and kind of share a little bit um, and introduce your beautiful daughter who's with us from Italy. Many of you don't, um, I don't know why Olina's not sitting with you guys, but she's made a new friend. She's not sitting with us because we got here late. Um, hi, everybody. I, you know, it is overwhelming when you go to um, this type of thing. I'd never been on a mission trip, and to go on this particular mission trip as my first one was just wonderful. And, you know, I could, 
I could share with you some of the different stories, some of the different kids, but I guess when, when I come back and I start reflecting, it's all the dynamics of a trip like this. You know, individually, I, um, we were all very tired. We had jet lag that we were never able to recover from. And then we had all these emotional issues with these children. You know, many of them had lost their families, um, one parent or another parent or grandma, and their life was in crisis. And you just talk to one after another, you're exhausted, but um, at the same time, God is just providing. So you've got the spiritual warfare, and then you're seeing God in a way that you have never seen him before because he has to be there and be there real um, in order to get you through each day. And um, it, as much as I'd like to think that we help those children, there was also a reason personally why I was there. And that's what I kept hearing from each of the people that went. And so I just encourage you that if God lays this on your heart, um, I feel like the relationship we have with South Africa is just gonna continue to grow. I mean, what Tammy said about um, her trip to Cape Cod, that's <laughs> definitely what I felt in Johannesburg. And so I want you just to you know, open your heart to that idea. And if this is something that um, God lays on your heart to do, I would just encourage you to start saving your money and you know, get ready spiritually because it is, um, it is definitely an accelerated experience with God. Um, you know, I, it's just, it's just a real heart tugger and um, spiritually it's a, it's a real changer. So thank you. Oh, of course, Alina, stand up. <laughs> she doesn't listen very well. Um, come on, honey, stand up, because they can't see you over there. Uh, yeah, so this is my beautiful daughter who lives in Italy most of the year, and I'm just thankful to have her. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I think Marion just coined a term, a term that it's an accelerated experience with God. I like that. I think we should use that. I don't think, uh, Phil and I were talking, I don't, I don't know how you can get this kind of experience in a year or two with God, that what we got in a matter of days. Um, I'm going to ask the balls to come real quick because we chatted just for a minute. And I, we want to just kind of give some, a quick highlight because Pastor Phil wants to come and, and finish up the book. But um, it was neat to have some other couples and to see how God worked um, in the lives of our young couples in the church. I guess I'm going to warm us up and then she's going to come in. Um, it was our first missions trip and our first time out of the country. So going on this trip was definitely at the beginning, uh, going to be life changing for us and having experienced going and doing this, it's really, um, you know, in this, in these other countries, it's really raw as here, it's like sugar coated, I'd say. Um, but you can really just get into the word and get into the truth. And um, I'd say the beginning for us, because we don't really do this on a normal basis either, um, talking in front of all these kids and evangelizing. And in the beginning, it was very, very rough. We were very nervous, and it showed. Um, but like the first day, I got to share my testimony. And I, I think only a handful of people do um, through my healing um, and, you know, after sharing it, I realized there's so much power in it. And I think every day after that, I shared uh, just a little piece because we didn't have very much time to go through each classroom. We had like three, four classrooms a day um, that we had to go do. 
evangelize to these kids like 10 minutes. And even in the shorter version of my healing and speaking identity about what the Bible says and who he says that we are and stuff, it's like I got to see really the the demonstration of power and love in these kids' lives um, and how we got to usher that in and and walking into the room and these kids just kind of look up and you can see the excitement that just because we're Americans, but then after, when we're leaving that room, after we're done praying and we're heading out and they have such a wonder in their eyes, they're, they're like so wide and they're so curious and they, you could tell that they really heard everything we said and they were kind of sad to see us leave. Um, so that's just the kind of experience that I had and Crystal. Hi. Um, just thinking about going to South Africa for me was like mind blowing because I had never thought that like God would be like, okay, you're going to go, you're going to go to South Africa. And I'm like, okay, sure. Um, if you say so, but, um, two things that really stuck out to me, um, just going through all these classrooms and seeing all these kids and, um, just knowing that, uh, boldness, um, in that goes a long way that um, even in your everyday life, um, being bold can really change somebody's life and um, can really um, set them forward on a path that God has for them versus if you had never done that, um, they would never know. So um, being boldness is, is really was a strong point that I took away from this trip and also um, showing others love. Even, uh, even asking a simple like, how are you today? Um, showing that kind of love. Um, these children love to give hugs and um, take pictures. And to me, that was a form of, of love for them because we were taking interest in them. And, um, and just to see how far that goes to. So um, like I took away the, on the missions trip that like if you're loving and you're being bold, and showing these these children that, then they're going to take that with you because they're not seeing us every day as Americans. Um, they'll have a different view of what Americans are versus what they've seen. So that, yeah. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Thank you. You know, um, before Pastor Phil comes and, and finishes up this uh, this chapter, I want to just tell you this morning, um, and you may hear, oh my gosh, John, did I just step on your guitar? <laughs> Be healed in Jesus' name. <laughs> Is he even in here? Oh, good. Don't tell him. <laughs> Emily's having the baby. I bet he ran out of here. Let's be praying because she's due any moment. Um, but with this book, Destined for the Throne, I... Um, I kind of adopted three children when I was in South Africa, and not, um, not on paper, but in my heart. And I have their names, and they're, I, I'm gonna share those stories with you over the next few Sundays. But this morning, when I was in my quiet time, early this morning, and what I like to do when I get up is, is just take my, my Kim Walker music, or my music that God kind of gives me, and there's a song that's actually called the Revelation Song. And if you don't know that by um, Carrie Job, it's wonderful. I would highly recommend you downloading that. And she walks you just through Revelation 4. And so I was just meditating on that. And all of a sudden, I had my three little kids' names in my hand. And as I'm visualizing their names and their little faces, I literally took each one to the throne this morning. And um, two of them have lost their mother and father. And I literally just prayed 
protection over them from the demonic, from the warfare. I prayed over their classes and their school and their minds and their heart. And you know, I don't know if you've ever had that kind of experience where you've been in the throne room. And again, I, I had my Bible open to Revelation 4 and 5, Carrie singing the song, Revelation, and I'm just handing them to the throne. You know, we're destined for the throne, but so are others. And if you've never had that, that experience of taking someone that you love or you care for and handing them to the Father as he's seated in the throne and asking him to protect them, it's a pretty incredible experience. So, um, you know, I just want to encourage you to understand that throne room. Really meditate on Revelation 4 and 5. See yourself at the throne. See yourself worshiping and know that the church will spend eternity there. Amen. Um, Let me just pray for us as Phil comes. Father, as we conclude for tonight, I just thank you for this book. God, I thank you for the picture that we have of the bride and the church and the groom. And Father, we just pray that we would have an intimacy with you like none other. That we would have an intimacy with the Father the way that he loves his bride. That we would be clean and pure and spotless that our hearts and our minds would be fixed upon the things that are eternal. And Father, as we prepare ourselves, both individually and corporately, would you do a work in this church, Father, with the Spirit of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. It's always good to hear hear from others about uh, how God worked in their life. Um, Inspires us, doesn't it? Kind of, kind of touches us. <clears throat> Let me. Uh, I have about thirty minutes to do this or less, depending if you fall asleep. Um, <clears throat> I'm going to try to do this as much as I can, just in story. I want you to think about this: that God has planned this divine romance. This divine romance. This divine romance that He. He planned in eternity before he created man. So God creates the heavens and the earth. He creates man. He creates Adam. And, and then he, you know, he, he gives Adam this task to name all these animals. And they're coming by, you know, two by two. And Adam's checking this thing out going, you know what? Um, I don't see anybody for me. And God then says it's not good for man to be alone. Because the house will be a mess. Eden will be torn up, right? But think about this. Everything that happens in the physical realm points you to the spiritual realm. Points you to something else. Remember the tabernacle? It was not a creation of Moses. He got the pattern from heaven and replicated it on earth. That's what it says in Scripture. So in the Godhead, the Father looks at the Son and says, it's not good for you to be alone. I will prepare a companion for you, perfectly suited for you. And I'm going to take a long time to get her ready. And I'm going to to move kingdoms. I'm going to move heaven and earth. I'm going to do all kinds of things to get it to that point. So this godly romance is at the heart of the universe. That God was preparing this eternal companion for his son called the bride that one day would share the throne with the king. 
And the son was given to romance his bride from a distance. Have we heard that phrase, uh, what is it, uh, distance makes the heart grow fonder? I, is that how it goes? Absence makes the heart grow fonder. Distance? Okay. Absence makes the heart grow fonder. Think about it like this. The absence of the bride from the son only makes the heart of the son beat stronger. Only makes the heart of the bride beat stronger. Now, ladies, I don't want to put you on the spot, but I'm definitely not going to ask the guys. How many of you ladies have enjoyed a romance novel once in a while? Anybody would, would confess? Okay. Huh? You're smiling what? Yes or no? Yeah, but you're not admitting it. Okay. Okay. Well, most guys don't read romance novels. Right? Except for Kevin. Kevin back there, he's a, he's a great reader of romance novels. Have you ever thought why, ladies, why you have read them or enjoy reading them? It is because woven into your heart is what we're talking about here today. You know, over Christmas time, we kind of become the Hallmark movie junkies. Anybody watch Hallmark movies? You know, I, I don't know what it is. You know, they're kind of cheesy. They all got the same plot. I mean, you know, I, you know, it, it, it's just it, sometimes it's the same actors. They're just now different people, you know, and they're playing out this drama for you. You know, you just go, yeah, I know it's cheesy, but I like it. It's just, you know, I don't know. There's something warm and makes it feels kind of like 1950, you know, or something, something good and wholesome. But they all have the same thing, exactly the same plots going on in every one of them. And it's, it, there's two variations. One of them is somebody dies and you're trying to find true love. Or I found the wrong one, now I'm trying to find the right one. I mean, they're all the same right, right? In fact, one night we watched like it was like the marathon night. And there's like seven in a row. And I said, I don't think we should watch anymore. There's everybody's dying in this thing. You know, I'm like, you know, I think I'm okay right now. But, but what is it? You know, there is that, that elusive, I want that perfect that perfect relationship. And what I want to say to you is that is only, that is only a, um, a glimmer of what is woven into our heart from God. As the church, we want that, that eternal companion, Christ. And, and God goes to all of this. So this in the, in the heart of mankind is a longing for a romance that is deep and rich, unlike any other, thus Hallmark movies. Um, God created the universe. God raised up kings. He raised up nations. He broke them down. He changed the course of human history, all to provide his son a companion. I think about that. And that's you. You are that companion. When you take that scripture in Matthew 7 where it talks about, you know, broad is the, is the, is the way and narrow is the, is the way, you know, broad is the way to death and narrow is the gate that leads to life and few there be that find it. Think about it like this. Even though God, Christ died for all, only a few chose Christ. And for that small group by comparison to the world, God did everything to get her ready for eternity. You. 
You are, you are special, every one of you in this room, because of that. Um, Billheimer talks about this. I, I think it's great. It talks about the residual argument, and that is look at the final outcome, and you can see what was really important. And it was, what's the final chapters of Revelation tell us? It tells you about a bride. It tells you about a groom. It tells you about a wedding, and it tells you about eternity. Uh, you may have heard me say this, but every, every great movie is based on the Bible. Every great movie. Because you've got a good guy, a bad guy, and a girl. Right? Isn't that true? And the, and the bad guy, what's he going to do? He's going he's gonna to get the girl and tie her on the railroad tracks, right, so the good guy can come and rescue, and the, ba- and the good guy is going to show up and beat up the bad guy, and he's gonna, you think he's dead, but what does he do? He comes back to life. And in Hollywood, he can only come back three times. There is a rule in Hollywood. The bad guy cannot live a fourth time. He can in a sequel, but he cannot come back again. So you'll watch, he goes, you know, I think he's gone. No, he he pops back into the scene. Here he comes again. And finally, on the third time, what happens? He's done. He's toast. The movie's over. Girls happy. Guys have, they float off into into the universe together. That's the Bible. That's what happens to Satan. Three times he's out. Three strikes, you're out. All those things are built on biblical principles. We just don't realize it. And there is this pattern. There is, uh, there is what's called the judgment seat of Christ. It's the, it's the Greek word, the bima. It's a raised platform. And on the raised platform is where you would come and you would, you would get a reward. It wasn't like judgment in the way that we think, you know, like condemnation judgment. It was reward, like an Olympic athlete would get you know, would get a, a gold medal, a silver medal, a bronze medal, or whatever. Have you ever wondered about weddings, why they look the way they do? I mean, think about it. What do you have? You know, typically you have, you know, you have bridesmaids, okay? In the biblical pattern, those were all the virgins who were not yet married, and they were coming, and they were the, they were the attendants that were serving, right? And they were all there to help the, the, the bride get ready and everything else. And, and then, then you have the groom. And, of course, here's the groom. And he's there waiting. And he's waiting with a gift. He's waiting there with a reward. And it's called a ring. And they make their way up on this raised platform, which is equivalent to the bema seat. And there there is, uh, there is a union that comes together. She's dressed in white, typically, symbolic of that bride that we see in Revelation. And then there is this, this celebration where, they, where they, they, they're finally joined. They've been, you know, they've been apart for so long, and they're finally now joined into marriage. And then everybody, they, there's a pronouncement, and then what do they do? They go off, and they have a big marriage supper, right? They have some, you know, depending on how much money you have, you either get cookies and Kool-Aid or you get more, right, in our current-day weddings. But it was actually a feast. It was called the Marriage Supper and the Bible says in Revelation there will be a marriage supper of the Lamb. And once the supper is over, they go then to the Father's house. And they would spend their time in the Father's house. And no one had to worry because there was plenty of room. The Father had plenty of rooms. And so Jesus said, in my Father's house are many mansions. See, that's actually a wedding. That passage there is actually has to do with the return of Christ. So everything God does is he paints this picture for us so we understand this divine romance that God has going on in the universe. So that we can, what, sit upon the throne of the universe 
ever-ruling, ever-reigning, ever-increasing and expanding universe is our destiny. We have to be made ready for that. Everything is moving toward one grand event, and that's a glorious marriage. In Luke chapter 12 and verse 32, it says, Fear not, little flock, for it is the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. To give you the kingdom. The Father's good pleasure. Invested with authority. Invested with glory. Invested with ownership. The Bible tells us this, that we are heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Everything that Jesus inherits from the Father, we share in. We're joint heirs. Now, the reason this becomes so powerful, and, and of course, he, he says it's so much better than, um, than I do in the book, but the reason it becomes so important is because it changes your perspective. And you, we want to get a heavenly perspective from a destined for the throne perspective versus, you know, well, you know, I'm just doing the best I can. You know, I sin a lot. I make a lot of mistakes, you know. I mean, that's not who we are as people. And we, we begin to realize who we are as people. I, I, I Take your book and just for a moment, and uh, I just want to, I want you to take a look at page... Page 20, page 23. Let me just read this to you. The heart of the universe. Second, uh, at the that new paragraph there in the middle of the page. From this it is implicit that a godly romance is at the heart of the universe and is the key to all existence. From all eternity, God purposed that at some time in the future, his son should have an eternal companion described by John the Revelator as the bride, the lamb's wife. John further revealed that his eternal companion in God's eternal purpose is to share the bridegroom's throne following the marriage supper of the Lamb, Revelation 3.21. Here we see the ultimate purpose and the climactic goal of history. According to Romans 8.28, this is a total objective, the single solitary motive of all God's creative acts. This passage teaches clearly that all that God has been doing from the very beginning was focused upon the church. This and this alone fully unveils the mystery of history, and it makes it understandable. No secular historian can be expected to comprehend this. But if our understanding of Romans 8.28 is true, then for the church, suns and moons wax and wane, for her starry galaxies fill the heavens, for her island universes swing in outer space, for her earthly kingdoms rise and fall. Therefore, it was not for their own interest, intrinsic importance that Pharaoh, Nebuchadnezzar, Darius, Sennacherib, and others were raised up. This is the gist of Isaiah 10. These kings derive their significance wholly from the relationship to God's purpose for the messianic nation through whom the Messiah was to come. Someday we will understand that not only these biblically recorded instances, but all events from all eternity were ordered and directed for one purpose and one alone, the eventual winning and preparation of the bride. Isn't that great? So let me encourage you, read the book. Amen? Read the book. We're going to close a few minutes early if that's okay with you. Is that okay? Okay. I will, um, 
I will just encourage you to read, do the homework, uh, stay in the game. Um, I noticed a few people that are probably in this class who are on the mission trip who are probably sleeping. If you know who they are, call them the minute you get home and then call them again early in the morning. Tell them, I was there, where are you? I'm looking back there at Jen, and she's like, she's got her prop. You tired? Yeah, I know you are. Okay, let's close in prayer. Father, we want to thank you tonight that we had an opportunity to study the word and to think about who we are as the bride. And we pray, Father, that you will uh, allow us to really see things from your divine perspective. Allow us, God, to, uh, to be reminded often by one another the importance and power of prayer. May, we, may you raise up a powerful church of prayer here, God. God, you've done so much in the past, but God, that's in the past. We want to see what you do today. We want to see mountains move today and tomorrow and into the future. We want to see you uh, shift the balance of power and the influence that we have uh, in this part of the world. And God, as we uh, were able to see what you did in South Africa, God, we know that same God, same Bible, same devil. And God, we just want to see us uh, do great exploits for the kingdom and for the power of Jesus and his name. And it's in the name of Christ we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, thank you for being here tonight, guys. Um, do us a favor. We're going to help. We're going to break this, this room down a little bit. So if you can hang around a few minutes and help us, that would be awesome. All right, guys? God bless you.